Welcome to your spiritual broadcast with David Goddard. This podcast is about everything occult, alchemy, Kabbalah, angelic magic, ritual, and so much more. Join David Goddard and Benjamin Phillips as we explore the world of true spiritual living, dedicated to a better world. David is a spiritual teacher and author. He teaches worldwide and is the spiritual director of the Rising Phoenix Foundation. Here's David Goddard and me, Benjamin Phillips, with your spiritual broadcast. Greetings, David, and our listeners, how are you? I'm very well, and I hope all our listeners are too, Benjamin. Absolutely. We are talking today, which seems to, we've sort of seem to have set a trend here, I think, actually. If you look at the previous show we did on zombies, this this is slightly in the same theme. Um, we're talking today about haunted houses, which may sound a bit science fiction-y or um, gory, but uh, it's a real, it's a real, real occurrence. And, you know, I'm sure many people have heard of haunted houses and spooky places, I guess, um, places people don't want to stay in. And, um, or even, you know, there's places in every, every town and city that has a reputation for being haunted. So I thought maybe today, if we can sort of look at this a little bit deeper and find out what it's really all about, um, and if there's anything one can do about it. So for the sake of our listeners, I know you, David, have magically purified many houses and places. Um, so I'm wondering if you can maybe tell us, um, what is a haunted house? Yes, well, thank you, Benjamin. Um, before I answer the, the the question, I would just say, for the sake of our listeners, that the choice of subjects is mainly to do with the questions they send in that we answer. Yes, absolutely. So, mm -hmm. True. But anyway, to get to the question, uh, Haunted House. This kind of work is traditionally called the cleansing of places that have been infested by evil. Mm -hmm. When we talk about um, the ministry of... of um, Deliverance, otherwise exorcism. It talks about the cleansing of persons and places. And this, of course, is to do with places. And there are several levels of infestation, as it could be called. And so I divide these into three classes. So there's a haunted house that has a ghost or two roaming around in it. Mm -hmm. There's a place in which souls are trapped. Right or a place where dark spirits or demons are using it as a portal into the earth plane, as a way to keep a foothold Access. upon right. the material plane. Mm -hmm. So they're the three categories, really. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a fairly broad range, isn't it? I mean, mm, so, mm. so what about, let's maybe look at the first one that you mentioned, so a house that is haunted by ghosts. Yes. So bear in mind, I'm using uh, these terms specifically. Mm -hmm. So when I use the term ghost, what I'm referring to is an event that has happened in the history of the place that produced such a massive charge that it's imprinted itself upon the astral memory, the Akashic imprint of the place. Right. Um, 
rather like in the old days with the old cassettes, if I remember correctly, the the tapes were had uh, iron, so like iron filings or something. Magnetic. Um, well, they were magnetic essentially. Yes. Yeah. So they it was you know, and we all know. I mean, we all know of going into a new place. You know, immediately. Um, you know, our senses expand outwards, and we pick up we pick up the atmosphere of a place, don't we? Mm. You can tell very often if people, two people in the room, which is an argument, you know, or if a place is friendly, or if a place is chill, or, or whatever. Mm. Well, we're dealing here with extreme cases, and this is either where something is repeated over and over again. So one shouldn't be too surprised if one picks up the sound of chanting or or the feeling of devotion if you're in the ruins of a monastery, for example. Right. Something that's repeated mm. very often. Mm. Or something that's really, really dramatic and fierce and makes a big blast. Mm. So what I'm saying here is... Um, mm, let's take the classic example of, you know, um, uh, the woman seen by people running from her husband who's carrying his head under his arm and she's, you know, what we call the bloody tower in the Tower of London mm. where she's often seen running around. Yeah. Now, what's happening there is that that particular occurrence really imprinted onto the atmosphere of the place. Her fear, the violence, the released blood made this huge impact onto the place. Hmm. And under certain times and seasons, it will replay. Hmm. Very often it's to do with you know, the anniversary of the occurrence. That's, that's, you know, an extreme. You understand? That's an extreme hmm. form of it. Hmm. The other one is the regular form when something's repeated. And I always remember this because it's an example of... Um, uh, you may remember um, Avis, peace be upon her, mm -hmm. elderly lady mm -hmm. we used to know. Um, and she'd been involved in occultism for years. And when I used to go and visit, we would often stay up to the small hours, you know, talking about things because, you know, we didn't meet up very often. Right. It was a nice opportunity and things. And we noticed on several occasions the smell of bread at about 2 a.m. in the morning. Hmm. Now, the first few times, neither of us mentioned it to each other. Hmm. And I used to go there about once a month, you know. Right. And then on one occasion, one or the other of us commented on it. And then a few times later, we would mention it. Oh, there's that smell again. And then she had two border collies, and dogs are very psychic as a cat. Um, and you would start to notice the dogs would kind of turn their heads in a particular direction when the smell came. Anyway, after that, the following time I went to visit her, um, she had done some research. Hmm. Now, she lived in a little cottage joined on to another one. It turned out that actually this had been one cottage at one point. And the family who'd lived there, it was large enough for it to be the local brewery. In other words, it's one of the remote little English villages that they would make their own beer mm -hmm. and this family made its livelihood out of making beer to sell to the other people in the village hmm. 
And so the younger, probably the youngest member of the family, because it was a very unpleasant job, would have the, the thing to get up about 2 o'clock every day in the morning, and they would take the stale bread from yesterday and often heat it to make it even more stale, to go into the vat, because then the yeast from the bread would start the fermentation process mm. of the hop juice and things to, um, to make the beer. Mm, and that job was done, you know, would have been done for years and years and years and years. Whoever had the job wouldn't like it, would be quite sullen. And so it eventually imprinted. Or on one occasion, I, I saw a case where um, um, in the old days, milk was delivered in these great big urns, and there would be about six of them on right. a low trolley. Yeah, And I once saw, uh, clearly, a ghost, and somebody else saw it at the same time, too, of a, a young child, well, yeah, probably 12 years old, pulling this thing. Hmm. I mean, what we would regard now as back-breaking work, but in those days, it was, you know, yeah. what was done. Uh. Anyway, these are ex examples of, like, extreme violence or passion embedding itself on the atmosphere of the place, or, as I say, a repetitive, a repetitive job. That's why you're sort of using the, the example of the tape. So it's like a memory that's stored yes. on tape and it just gets replayed all the time over at exactly. a certain time. Okay. Exactly. In other words, in other words, uh, um, there is no soul there. Right. It's just an imprint oh, okay. of a memory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not the being is trapped there. That's a different ball game. That's different the matter. second. Mm. That's the second classification. Right. And so I suppose I mean my view is unless the memory is causing any trouble. I mean, like smelling the 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 warm bread at two in the morning. Well, kind of. So what? Exactly. No. I mean, once you've worked out what it is, well, it's fine. So, I mean, I wouldn't personally run around trying to cleanse it because to do that, you'd have to cleanse the place of all its memories. And, okay, that's okay with a young building, mm. say less than 100 years old, but with old stuff, that's very, very, very difficult. It all depends really on your society. You see, when I go to America, there are buildings there that, where the trees are older than the buildings, mm. you know? What they call an antique, we just called old-fashioned. Mm. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, and uh, whereas in Europe and other places in the world, you know, there are buildings that are hundreds of years old, and the stones, people don't build in stone to quite the same degree, really. No. I'm not including concrete. No. Um, and so the memories don't hold. So I suppose it depends on your attitude. A, a dear friend of mine, Asia from Australia, she used to go bonkers, that's a technical occult term, ladies and gentlemen, bonkers, meaning slightly strange. Um, she used to go bonkers whenever she'd come to London because what she would be horrified by all the overlays. Mm. There would be Celtic London and Saxon London and Roman London and Tudor, medieval London, Tudor London, Victorian London, where she was used to Australia, where there was, with all respect, Stone Age culture, and then suddenly this great big leap, so this huge gap, mm to imported European culture. Mm. So it depends on what you're used to. So I suppose if you're brought up with it, you're not so bothered. Yeah, and I guess if, you, if you don't like the smell of bread, it's probably just because you're wheat intolerant. And sure. in, in that case, you maybe do something about the, the, 
the ghost memory yes. appearing, but otherwise it's, it's just probably not, just not worth bothering about. Just make sure your your astral body doesn't eat wheat, wheat ectoplasm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, there's no entity to deal with. Right. Okay, but that's, now... That's, that's the essential point. And I understand that. But now, so how do you tell if you're dealing with a ghost, which is, a, you know, like you pointed out, a memory versus your second categorization, which is actual conscious and an and actual conscious entity that is infesting a place. I mean, how do you draw yes. the, how do you make the distinction? Actually, it's very simple. It's done by, you do it by color. Mm -hmm. So what do I explain is this. When it's a ghostly memory, replaying the tape, mm. it appears in color. Mm. And we know this from the many, many examples of people People watching, you know, bloody ladies running around towers and things. They can describe the colour of the dresses and all that kind of thing. Whereas an objective entity will be using etheric energy to make itself seen, to manifest. And anybody who in magic has seen what's called the invocation to visible appearance, the manifestation of a being, knows that they end up looking like well, a photographic negative. Mm. You know, that slight luminous quality. Mm. Um, and um, you know, like, that's how a materialization looks. There isn't color to a materialization. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. It's a very simple, it's a yeah. very simple answer. It's Quite a very simple. Right. Well, yeah. Almost took the word out of my sales. <clears throat> thank god something in this business is straightforward <laughs> tell me about it i tell you right okay so then um let's talk let's then talk about an actual entity i mean a, a conscious being who is in the place I, what is the what is really the issue there yes that is a very different thing to a memory the first thing that needs to be ascertained is what kind of being is doing the haunting Hmm. Is it a being in pain? In other words, trapped, unable to escape. What some people would call a soul in purgatory. Mm -hmm. That's working out its purgation, it's being purged for something it did by being reminded of the place. Right. Like, like if somebody had um, habitually uh, done acts of cruelty in a particular place. Hmm. You know, they would be bound to the place. The other classification um, would be, or whether it's a powerful and malicious spirit who's deliberately stays in the place to inflict suffering. Hmm. In other words, a demon. Yeah. If it turned out to be a trapped soul, then the answer would simply be to pray for the soul. Um, the place would be psychically cleansed by using holy water, and prayers would be offered for the peace of the soul. For the holy angels to come and take that soul to a place of light and peace. And by the way, I'm, I'm moved to say there's a common mistake that many people make, thinking that they have to use prayers with which the discarnate soul was familiar. I remember an old friend of mine from Irish Catholic background, and in his early adult life, he changed religion. He converted to Buddhism. Buddhism and continued a Buddhist. But when his mother died, he was concerned about well, should he, you know, do requ get requiem masses done, mm. the usual Catholic thing and things. Right, yeah. 
<clears throat> and um, you get people really worrying their heads about this kind of thing. So I'm just trying to release people from that unnecessary concern. Um, but you don't have to use the prayers the discarnate soul was used to. That's not true at all. At, that, at the level they're on, any genuine prayer is seen by spirits and souls as light power. Mm. And that is what counts. Can I ask? The actual, for, the actual form that the prayers take is irrelevant. Right. Can I just interject yes. quickly? So just maybe for my own sake, if nothing else, when you say prayer, are you you're not only referring to occult prayer, but you're referring to any form of prayer as such? It's In, Indeed. Okay. Indeed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just a no, sideline question it's there. Fine. Your spiritual broadcast is sponsored by the Rising Phoenix Foundation. Why not sign up for David Goddard's Letters to Your Spirit? It's free, and once a week you get a spiritually inspiring message to help you on your path of spiritual discovery. Letters to Your Spirit has many giveaways, free programs, and online workshops that is only shared with Rising Phoenix Foundation community members. Go to rpxf.com org and sign up today okay so 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 what you're saying really is going back to your friend that you mentioned now um you could use a buddhist prayer for someone who has been a christian or a jewish person during their lifetime or the other way around you could use christian and is, okay. exactly huh. exactly indeed as I say, it's all about light power, about the spiritual energy that the prayers generate. Mm. Also, bear in mind that the deceased soul will deeply appreciate the kindness of strangers who make the effort to pray for its release and for its future well-being. Mm. There's a whole ministry, you could call it, of this kind of work that goes on unsuspected by most people in the world of helping to free souls from being trapped at their various levels. Hmm. Well, okay, thanks. That's that's helpful. Okay, um, not to drag this out, can we look at, let's look at the third example or your third categorization, uh, or in fact your, your example where you mentioned a <coughs> being deliberately using, uh, or a, a being deliberately using a space, like a demon or a dark spirit. Hmm. Yes, to deal with those requires a fully trained exorcist, a professional, you could say. Mm. Why is this? Because with this case, it's full-on spiritual warfare. Right. And the longer the place has been infested by demons, the harder it is going to be to shift. And the battle to cleanse the place is both dangerous and frightening. Mm. In a certain sense, you know, Benjamin, it can be harder than the, doing the exorcism of a person. Hmm. Oh. This is because when you're seeking to liberate a person from evil, they are in front of you. You you know where they are. You you know where to focus. Where to focus, right, exactly. Yeah. But on the cleansing of an entire place, the assaults of the demons to keep their hold can come from any direction. Hmm. Oh. Even a fully trained exorcist will not undertake such a cleansing of a place without some assistance to support and help. Hmm. It would have to be a real big on emergency, life and death. 
mm. to be silly enough to do it without any support whatsoever. Hmm. Wow. Um, okay. So, let's see. I mean, so, so what, are there any other signs of a place being infested by unclean spirits? What are the other signs? Yeah, the classical symptoms are an all-pervading sense of malice and fear. Mm-hmm. Evil smells and odours, usually the smell of rotting flesh, of dead bodies. These smells come and go, but mm. you know they will persist. Rather like in, in the more bland case the of smell a memory. Of bread, where, yeah. yeah, right. Similar thing. Mm. The manifestation of slime on the walls and ceilings, like the trails left by very large snails. Mm. Fortunately, there aren't snails as big as these slime. Yeah, trails. I think you'd know if um, yeah. you were dealing with a garden infestation or a. And sometimes this slime is rust coloured, like dried blood. Mm. It's really ectoplasm. Mm. Oh. If there's snow outside or some kind of powder on the floor, like salt or flour, Sometimes there's the appearance of footprints, which if you follow the trail, they suddenly stop, leading nowhere. Mm. These phenomena will be at their strongest after sunset and before dawn. The most intense time tends to be about 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm. Okay. Um, So I take it what you're saying really is... um at least uh, a warning to our listeners is not to um, try and get involved in cases like this, really. If, if if there's any sort of sign of this sort of thing going on, don't go running where angels fear to tread, I suppose, as the oh, saying goes. Absolutely, Benjamin. <clears throat> no, dealing with this, this level, the third category, mm. is really only a fully trained exorcist should undertake this. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, you know. I mean, I know we've spoken about this in private as well. The unfortunately, the number of fully trained exorcists seem to be in short supply. Anyhow, um, mm. so a little bit bef- earlier, you mentioned. I want to come back to this because you mentioned it earlier. Um, you mentioned holy water. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about what is holy water and and you know, is it something that somebody can get uh, somewhere? Mm. Sure. Um, well, holy water in the in the sense that we use it in the West, though you find its equivalent in Buddhism and Hinduism, and I, I think I think in some folklore. Islam and Judaism, there's the idea of saying prayers over water. Water, you see, by its nature, is the most easily impregnated substance. Anyway, holy water, in the technical sense, is water with a little salt added, the, the, the proportion is irrelevant, mm-hmm. over which specific prayers and exorcisms have been said, with the intention that evil will not abide with it. The reason water and salt is used is this is based upon the Kabbalistic model. And bear in mind, the theurgy of the church is, stems from Kabbalah because that was what um, Yeshua and the uh, apostles used, um, is that there's the earth plane, and that's represented by the salt, salt being a mineral and a crystalline in substance. 
and then water is used to represent Yetzira, the astral plane. Mm-hmm. Evil as we know it only exists on those two levels, the physical plane and the astral plane. You will not find evil as we understand it in the authentically spiritual level or in the divine level, which are represented by air and fire, respectively. Mm. So this is why salt and water is used. It can be got from Catholic and Byzantine churches. They usually have containers in which a person can take a little bottle in and fill up. Okay. Um, St. Therese of Avila, (laughs) a famous mystical um, saint and chariot rider of the Christian tradition, she would talk about how she had noticed that when demons came towards a place, if the cross was held up, they would they would retreat. Mm. But once the person or the cross went away, they would come again. Whereas if they, the place they were coming to was sprinkled with holy water, they could not return to it. Mm. You've you've heard, you know, everybody will have heard from films and things, you know, like vampires and things, and not going on to consecrated ground. Well, what is consecrated ground? It is mm. simply ground that has been prayed over and hallowed and sprinkled with holy water. Mm. Holy water is often used to, to bless homes. In a certain sense, it baptizes the house. The home. Okay. And it's used in all ways to, to use the old term, to hallow something, to make it holy. Mm-hmm. And that's holy water. Okay. So, but now what if someone, um, you yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate, no no pun intended, um, is unable to get hold of any holy water. I mean, is there a way for someone to make holy water themselves? Yes, there is. Um, remember, I gave a method for it in the book that we published, Benjamin, in How to Protect Yourself Against Psychic Attack. Yes, that's right. Actually, you're right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll read it for the sake of the listeners. So um, this is, first and foremost, this is uh, directing your attention to the salt and visualizing the, uh, the light power, the divine light flowing into the salt. And so when it says exorcise in this case, it means to purify. And so the traditional prayer over the salt is, I exorcise the creature of earth by the living God, by the holy God, by the omnipotent God, Thou mayest be purified of all evil influences in the name of Adonai, who is Lord of angels and of humankind. And then again, using the sign of power, the cross of light, the the blessing is now focused into the now purified salt Mm -hmm. with a prayer, Creature of earth, adore thy creator. In the name of God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth, and of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, I consecrate thee to the service of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then the same procedure is done with the water, slightly different because of its qualities. I exercise the creature of water by the living God, by the holy God, by the omnipotent God, that thou mayest be purified from all evil influences in the name of Elohim Zavaot, who is Lord of angels and humankind. And now uh, the cleansed water is now going to be um, impregnated with the blessing. Creature of water, adore thy creator in the name of the Father Almighty who decreed a firmament 
in the midst of the waters, and of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Saviour, I consecrate thee to the service of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then the final prayer, which is used to seal the whole thing. We pray thee, O God, Lord of heaven and earth, and of all that is in them, both visible and invisible, that thou mayest stretch forth the right hand of thy power upon these creatures of the elements, and to hallow them in thy holy name. Grant that this salt may make for health of body, and this water for health of soul, so that there may be banished from the place where they are used every power of adversity, and every illusion and artifice of evil, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And then whenever holy water is being sprinkled, mm. there's a short prayer, but this is the puncher. In the name which is above every other name, in the power of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I exercise all influences of evil. I lay upon them the spell of Christ's holy church, that they may be bound fast, as with chains, and cast into the outer darkness, so that, so that they trouble not the servants of God. Amen. Hmm. And, and that's the formula. That's the formula, right. Yeah, and that's just, I mean, that is the formula. I know, I know some people have some built-in reservations about sort of the quote-unquote churchy language of that, but, you know, that, that is the, mm. the general formula to, to achieve holy water. Yeah, it's obviously, if you came from a Buddhist tradition or Hindu tradition, you would use that version. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, but you know, for for the Westerners, I mean, this is you know the um, appropriate way, the spiritual tradition on which Western culture is is built. Mm. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. He's David Goddard. I'm Benjamin Phillips. You've been listening to uh, your spiritual broadcast, uh, brought to you by the Rising Phoenix Foundation, that is now ten years old. So we'll we're trying to celebrate and um, do a little bit of extra things to advance our mission that we began 10 years ago with so keep an eye out keep an ear out there's a lot more coming david thank you very much for your time you can find your spiritual broadcast on itunes and stitcher you can subscribe where you can also rate the show if you have any questions for david happily email them to questions at your spiritual broadcast.com the website is with the same name, yourspiritualbroadcast.com. Um, resources on the website, notes, um, extra links, recommendations, all of that good stuff. And that's it for us. It's a wrap. Thanks so much, David. Thank you very much. I hope everybody now has safe, peaceful homes. There we go. It's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. <laughs> <laughs>